about a new and living way. I love chapter seven, verse six. It says, but now we have been released from the law for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. We can say we, we died to religion. We're no longer captive to the power of religion. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the spirit. So I like the Jesus effect, a new way of living. Because there has to be this new thing that goes on. And, uh, you know, when a person commits their life to Jesus, it's not just an act of our will where we just decide that maybe we need to live better and that would be good for those people around us. When we come to Jesus and we are actually engrafted in Christ, there is a new thing that happens, a supernatural thing. Now, folks, listen, in the natural, anybody can live in the natural. We live in the natural automatically. And there are some people who have natural abilities, natural strengths. Uh, they're able to do certain things and, and with, with their own power. You know, we're Americans. We pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and we're going to make it through. We're going to win. And those are all natural things that we do. But when we come to God, we have got to enter into a supernatural realm. Now, supernatural has got some weird definition to it now. We're watching movies and shows with heads turning and eyes popping out, and we think that's supernatural and, you know, things flying through the air. It's causing us to miss the understanding that our God is supernatural, and he does supernatural things, things that are above nature. And so that's what the Jesus is effect about. And, and today, as I talk to you about how Jesus affects us and our past. Hopefully we'll unpack it to where we can understand that we should be free of our past so that we can embrace our future. Unless a person understands where they came from and gets free of that, they can never go where they should be going. It's just the way it is. We see a lot of people struggling trying to get free of their past. And we help with freedom small groups and freedom weekends. And a lot of people get really, really free. And so today, I, I hope that we can, can grasp this and really get it. So to start with it, we've got to start at the very beginning of where we are. And, and I'm going to say something about you, and it, it applies to me too, that some people just really have a problem with. And we could split a lot of theological hairs about where we are, and, and we're also going to talk a little bit more about this later on. But the first thing that we need to understand is that you're a sinner. You are a sinner. And we don't like to say that. We don't like to just admit that we're sinners. But I've gotten very comfortable with admitting that I'm a mess. I've got real comfortable. Matter of fact, the older I get, well, you know, I'm not going to say the messy I am, but it's just you start agreeing and understanding, and pride kind of takes a back seat. You say, well, that's the truth. That's really the way I am. I'm a sinner. I was born a sinner. You know, I don't know how many of you know who Bob Dylan is, but Bob Dylan wrote a, wrote a song one time. He said to saved, he, he put out an album, and, uh, you know, he's an old folk singer from way back. He's old and all wrinkled now, but anyhow. He, he, one of his lines says, stone cold dead from the womb. And really and truly, that is applicable to us. 
We were born with a nature that is contrary to the nature of God. We inherited a nature that came from Adam and Eve when they fell in the garden. All of creation fell with them. And every person that's ever been born and every person that will be born has inherited this sin nature. In some religions, they call it original sin. We call it the sin nature, the nature to sin. You know, we've got two cats at home we love a lot, Gracie and Sissy. And Gracie and Sissy have never barked one time in their whole life. I keep looking at them and waiting for them to bark. They never bark. They don't fetch either. Matter of fact, they don't do anything but look at you with that look that says, you don't know who you are or what you're talking about. But the reason they never bark is because it's not in their nature to bark. They are cats. And all the cat lovers said amen. Boy, that's, man, nobody likes cats except me and Jan. We like cats, you know. We inherit this stage. Now, now, when we talk about sin, the majority of people think about sin as action, which it is, but, but about conduct. And we get all hung up on conduct. And we spend all of our time on conduct. And we're going to try to make our conduct better. And when we make our conduct better, we feel better. And, and so another, when we make our conduct better, we feel like God loves us more. And we, when we're bad, he doesn't love us. When we're good, he loves us. And we get caught in this works mentality of earning God's goodness or even feeling good about ourselves because our conduct is good today. And we put a little bit of emphasis on our condition. And our condition prior to Christ is that we are separated from God. It even calls us that we're an enemy of God. We're wicked. All of these words that we don't like to say about ourselves. But when we come to Jesus, there's a difference that takes place. And there's a change that takes place. And the reason my conduct changes is because my condition changes. See, my conduct yesterday was sweating on the back porch about to pass out, right? But I, so I changed my condition into the air condition. And then my conduct changed. Are you getting it? Your condition changes when you come to Jesus Christ and admit that you're a sinner and separated from him, and an enemy of him. And by faith, you appropriate what he did on the cross, not by might, not by power, but by the cross we come alive. And we embrace Jesus, and a change takes place. You know, King David, the king of Israel a long time ago, he was a man that was going after God, but he sidetracked several times. But one time, he had sex with a woman that wasn't his wife and got her pregnant and, and trying to cover it up, had her husband killed on the battlefield, and everything was going fine until the prophet of God went to him and exposed what was going on. When that happened, he admitted it. And, and he writes Psalm 51, and in Psalm 51, he, he, he really gives us the attitude of how we ought to be. He says this, he says, I've sinned against you and you only, God. Only you, in your sight, have I done this despicable thing. It's, it's about you. See, ultimately, folks, it's about you and God. We play interference with people trying to make some things right, but it's really between you and God. 
It's not between you and the church. It's not between you and the pastor. It's not between you and your, your ex-husband. It's between you and God. And the sin problem is between us and our God. He gives remedy. He really does. The next thing about this dilemma we find ourselves in is that you can't change your past. Man, how we wish we could change the conduct of our past. Isn't that right? I know that if you're at least 12 years of age in this room, that you wish you could change your past. You really do. You really wish. You have such regrets that if you only had to do all over again, some of you, it's last night. If you only had to do all over again, I would not go there. I would not be there. I would not do that. I would not take that. I would not be with that person. I would not go in that direction. I would be in that city. I'd never join that club. I'd never, I, I would change things. If I had to do high school over again, I'd be a straight A honor student without any problem at all. Because high school, after you're out many years, you realize it was so simple. It was so easy. The outline's on the board. Just learn it. You'll make an A on the test. Calculus is so simple. Well, maybe not everything is that simple, but the rest is to stay out of trouble. You can be the teacher's pet easily without any problem. Nowadays, to be the teacher's pet, all you got to do is, you know, don't bring a gun to school or, and don't hit anybody with a large stick and you'll be all right. You understand? We got these regrets, you know, that we live by. But you can't change the past. You're powerless to alter time past you. You're powerless to truly heal yourself from the past. We keep trying. We got this horrible dilemma that we find ourselves in that we, are, we need healing, but we can't heal ourselves. Uh, but we can't move forward until we're healed. So we hobble through life trying to make a life, trying to have joy, trying to have the real thing without being healed. And then there's this thing of our destiny. You have to realize that your past doesn't define your destiny. But it is defining the destiny of so many people. Even people who come to Jesus. Even people who come to Jesus, it's like they keep living in the past. You know, when I first got saved, there was a verse of scripture I found in the Bible. I just was reading the Bible. This is how we found it. We just read the Bible a lot. And I came across this verse that really, really solidified me in Christ. It held me when nothing else would hold me. You see, Scripture will hold you when nothing else. When the feelings go out the window, Scripture will hold you. And this one did. Matter of fact, I think it's still holding me now. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I want to read it to you out of the Amplified Bible. And it goes this way. You know, I just love the way it says, therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ the Messiah, that, that means, that doesn't mean just, I just, I, yeah, I believe Jesus. That means I am abiding. Christ said it this way in the Gospels. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, if there's an abiding that takes place, an interwoving of, of hearts and spirits, the real thing, a real thing, he said, if that's happening to you, then you're a new creation, a new creature altogether. I put in my notes, a creation that has never existed before. Understand that. It's not a renovation. It's a creation. You see the difference? Religion. 
Listen to me. Religion can only renovate. Religion is like grandma's dresser with eight coats of paint on it. You wonder why it looks all bumpy and nasty. It's because it's been red, blue, green, and yellow, and now it's white. It's a renovation. But Jesus comes in and he says, I don't want to renovate you, and I really don't want to recreate you. I want to make a brand new creation that never existed before. Are you hearing this? Never existed before. Something that has never existed before does not have a past. By the way, we think of our past as what we did. That's why we get all excited about strong testimonies. Hi, church. I want to let you know that I grew up without a father or mother, lived in a cave raised by wolves. <laughs> At an early age, I was a degenerate, and I uh, committed many, many crimes. Alcoholic, I was a meth head, and I, was, uh, I murdered three people, and I was in jail for 100 years. And, and then I met Jesus, and praise God, now I have a worldwide evangelistic ministry. Hallelujah. And, and do you understand what's going on? And, and you know what the church does? Oh, praise God. God is so good, and, and he is. But then watch this. We get the person comes up and says, hi, church. Well, my name's Joe, and I, uh, I grew up in a great Christian family. My mother and father loved me dearly and taught me the ways of God. And at an early age, I, I gave my heart to Jesus. And, uh, you know, I, I was always an outcast with my f people at school, but I, I, just, I just pressed into Jesus. Then he called me to preach, and, and now I'm leading a church, and, and I just think that God is good. And we go... Not realizing that both the testimonies are identical because they're not dealing with conduct, they're dealing with condition. And your condition as a murdering meth head is the same as a Sunday school kid. You're separated from God and you need your past removed. Come on. And your new nature given to you by God. That's why God is good. We're not racing to see who is the worst sinner by conduct. For we are all pitiful in our condition. And that's why there has to be this new creation. Watch what he says. The old, previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away, perished. Behold, the fresh and new has come. I love that. This is, and I held on to this for, for so many years. Because, you, you know, my past cannot dictate my future. It just, it just can't. i got to deal with it. You, you have a choice to make. I was raised up, you know, didn't have a man's example, not one that, that I could look to, how to be a real man, how to be a husband and a father. You know, and many of you are that way. You could be up here saying the same thing. And I didn't know how, and I got married, didn't know what, man, Jan and I didn't have a clue the, the night we got married. Not a, not a clue of what getting married was about. Not, didn't, no one even had a conversation with us about getting married. Nobody ever said, hey, you know, when you get married, one, two, three, or anything. Not one word from no one. We just went up there and got married. 
And like many of you, we spent nine and a half years in the school of hard knocks trying to learn how to get married and never did learn really how to be married until the Jesus effect. And when the Jesus effect took place, I had to learn how to be a man and a husband and a father. And the way God did it, by the way, God did, he could have just given it to his being on my head with a stick and I would have known it all and been a, the great person I am today. <laughs> Not yesterday, but today, while I'm here talking to you, you understand. This is the way God did it, though. He uses people. He can use the Holy Spirit only. He even says in the Word, you need not have anybody teach you anything. You have the Spirit of God in you. But then he chooses to use people. So what he did with Jan and I is he put us in a young married Sunday school class where everybody in the room was younger than we are. And if you added all of their years married together, it probably didn't equal how many years we had been married. And put us underneath a man who had been married a lot less than me, but yet he knew Jesus. He was a new creation, and he taught me how to be a husband to this woman and how to be a father to our then one child. The new creation has to be taught. He's got to undo some things. We have a choice. But when the Jesus effect comes in, I would say choose a platform where Jesus will put you on a platform to launch you rather than to be anchored to the past and go nowhere. I believe everybody in this room can go further than you've been with Jesus because this is why. I believe your past, especially the negative things in your past, can be used by God to equip you for the future. And I use the example of a man named Joseph in the Old Testament. He had 11 brothers who didn't like him because God was blessing him. And so what they did, they just sold him into slavery, basically, into Egypt. He wound up in Egypt. He was a slave. Some things went wrong. He ended up in jail. He didn't do anything wrong, but he ended up in jail. And then because he had a gift to interpret dreams, Pharaoh had a dream that he didn't understand. So somebody said, there's a guy in the back of the jail back there. He said, he, he said God tells him about dreams. He said, bring him on up here. He told the Pharaoh about the dream. It came true, like he said. I mean, it was all great. It was wonderful. And it got him out of jail. Not only to get him out of jail, but then he became second in command of Egypt. And basically, he's running Egypt. And so he's running Egypt, and he's doing great things. And there's a famine everywhere in the land. And guess who ends up in Egypt looking for some food? His brothers. And you can read all of this in the book of Genesis. Just read the whole book of Genesis tonight when you get home. And, and, just, and you'll find it in there. And, and so they're standing before him, and he knows who they are. They don't know who he is. And finally he says, hey, you know, I'm Joseph. I'm your brother. And, you know, you, remember you, you sold me to the, the caravan. And, and, those, and they're afraid that he's going to kill them. But watch what, watch what he does. Watch what the new creation. Watch the way an individual who knows God, who's experienced the Jesus effect, handles the situation. Genesis 50, verse 20, you intended to harm me. That's what he told his brothers. You intended to harm me. Papa intended to harm you. That guy, that boss, that, that fellow student, that, that guy across the street, that neighbor, that, this guy in traffic, all these, they, they intended to harm you. You intended to harm me, and you were doing a pretty good job, but God intended it all for good. You intended one thing, God intended another thing. While you were working your plan, God was working his plan. He intended it good. I love what Romans says in chapter 8 of Romans, verse 28. It says, it says this. It says that, that all things work together for the good, for, the, for, for those who are 
called according to God's purposes. Those who love God, God has a way of turning things around. If you want him, if you're excited enough, if you're looking enough to see God turn something around. By the way, something's got to be going in the wrong direction for God to turn it around. So don't get all bent out of shape and things get in the wrong direction. Just stand still and know who God is. And watch and see him. He'll do something really supernatural, something great in your life. And then you'll be able to worship him. And you'll say God is good. And it's wonderful. I love the way that Joseph handled life. I also like the way that in our freedom retreat, how we, we, we love to declare things. We love to, to shout things out. You know, we confess things, confessions. I want to do that right now, just, just a few short ones. Because I believe this. I believe that when your heart and your mouth really connect with God, and when you speak something that's in your heart, I believe it, it has a supernatural effect on your life. That's what I was doing. When, I don't know what you were doing when we were singing chains fall, fear bow, right now, here, right now. I was shouting that out because fear has got to bow in my life. I cannot be controlled by fear. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to confess with my mouth. My heart's going to connect with that thing and Bam, I will not be controlled by fear. So I thought we'd just say a few things. You ready? Now, you got to work with me, all right? All right, 1030, got to work with me. Don't leave me hanging out here. I mean, I don't want to sound like a couple of girls out there, all right? So you're going to declare this. Well, girls are not bad. If you're a little girl, you could sound like a little girl. If you're a grown man, man up, all right? You ready? I'm going to say it, then you're going to say it after me, all right? Ready? You ready? I am a new creation in Christ. I am justified by faith in Christ. I am alive in Christ. I am standing firm in Christ. I am blessed with all spiritual blessings. In Christ. In Christ. Say it three times fast. It's in Christ. It's in Christ. Not in yourself. You ain't big and strong like God, but in Christ. Pow. I'm winning for the first time in my life. How about you? I'm winning because I'm on the winning side. There is no rival in Christ. He has no equal. I don't know what you say. He has no equal. So, how does the Jesus effect operate on your past? How does it, how does it work? I mean, you know, you know and, and we could spend five hours up here. But, but, you know, our life is like a parade. And, and I'm going to show you how God looks at a parade and how we look at a parade. But in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said this. And I love the words of Jesus all over the Bible, but I especially love his words after his resurrection and his ascension. And, and these are some of those words. This is what he says. I am the alpha and the omega. The beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, that's right now, who always was, the past, 
and who is still to come, the future, the almighty one. You know, when we watch a parade, we, this is how we watch a parade in South Mississippi. Most folks get up real early, get the pickup truck. And if you don't have one, borrow one. I'll get a friend that's got one. And, and we, 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 we load it up with the lawn chairs, you know, the aluminum folding chairs with the stripes of nylon. And, and we load up the ice chest and we take off and we find ourselves a spot on the side of the road and we, we back that baby up over the curve, you know, ka-doom, ka-doom. and when we put down that tailgate, unfold those chairs, we sit ourselves down, man, and we open up that ice chest and we get out an ice cold Coca-Cola. <laughs> and we watch the parade and there it comes. It's time for the parade. There comes the, the marshal of the parade. He's in the, you know, it depends where you're at. If you're in Wiggins, he might be on a four-wheeler or, you know, <laughs> I'm not sure. Long Beach, you might be in a custom El Camino. I don't know what, Gulfport Corvette. And he's waving, you know, and he's that, he's the guy that owns the hardware store or whatever, you know, and he's waving at us. And, and then after that comes the twirling bears and the hopping monkeys or whatever. And then, and then, and then the high school band. And, and then after that high school band is another high school band. And after that high school band is another high school band. And, and then after that is the twirling flag core of four high schools and then another band. And then there's all kind of little things go on. They might be throwing stuff. Everybody's there and you're enjoying it. And finally the horses and, you know, the whole bit finally. But we only see a little bit of the parade at a time. It's the only way. You can look down the street, but there's people, other pickup trucks, you know. So you can't see. But God, he's like flying a drone over that baby. And he's got a panoramic view of your life. Now listen, folks. God sees your past and your future all at the same time. God knows everything about you. He knows the faithful ones. He knows the unfaithful. He knows all of that. He sees our whole life. You know, I got, I got, I got a glimpse this week, Jan and I, of, of that picture of life. Over the 4th of July, we went to visit some people. Went to visit Brother Joe Rowe, who pastored here for 15 years before me. And, uh, and then I pastored here 28 years now. Jordan is pastoring, lead pastoring, and uh, he's got two months to live. And, uh, you know, we sat with him. And, and then we left there, and we went to visit our moms. My mom is 92. Jan's mom is 88. And, uh, and then after that, we went and visited my pastor, Brother Ed, who's 88 years old and not what he used to be at all in his mind especially. And then, you know, I think about my family and our kids, and they're all young and vibrant and just alive. And so I, I got the full, and we're somewhere in between there, you know. I got the full spectrum of life from the young, vibrant, alive, running fast, all the way to a, the man really turning the last corner of his race. But in that, to sit with a man like Joe Rowe and his wife, Flo, you know, it was Joe and Flo, and they gave the church to Van and Jan. I don't know if that had any significance, but, but to listen to him, his body riddled with cancer, but yet his mind as sharp as can be, and his spirit completely alive. 
and just preaching to us. Such a wonderful time to be able to sit with them and to hear their wonderful wisdom. See, that's what God sees. He sees the span of time. And, and the, the wonderful thing about it is that you've got to get into the supernatural thinking, folks. Listen to me. Jesus died on the cross at Calvary 2,000 years ago. And when he died on the cross of Calvary, that death, now stick with me, paid for every sin of the past all the way to Adam. Now, that, that, I, I grasp that. Okay, you paid that debt. But then he paid for all the sin of people in the future. People who haven't even been born yet, their sin is paid for. That's, that's supernatural. That is hard for me to comprehend. I don't know about you. If you fully comprehend it, would you catch me after service and teach me? I will be a good student. I'm, now, let's go a little bit deeper. The Bible says that the people who put their faith in Jesus Christ have been crucified with Christ. Before we were ever born, we were already crucified with Christ. Meaning that my sin is paid for, all my past is paid for, and all my future. Now, 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 did you hear that? All of your sin is paid for in the future. Now, you see how quiet we get? But I bet if I came here and said, I just talked to Mississippi Power, and every one of you who are on Mississippi Power, all of your utility bill is paid for for the rest of your life. <laughs> Boy, you see, <laughs> thank you, sister. <laughs> That's how it is. It's like, Jesus paid for all my sins. Okay. Mississippi Power paid for my electric bill. <laughs> Let's go watch a parade, you know. <laughs> but understand that Jesus paid the debt for the new nature. Do you understand that? And we don't look at that and say, well, because he paid my debt and I have a new nature and my sins are paid for in the future, that my conduct does not matter. Some people play that game with God and God early on says to us, like we say to our children when they try to pull the wool over our eyes, eh, stop right there. And he knows and you know that conduct matters. So he paid our debt. So how does it affect us? Can I just give you a few things and then we're going to have our afternoon. Can we get this, folks? Let's get this. Let's get this in the spirit supernaturally. You've all heard this more than once, but let's get it now. Number one, my sin is removed by God. It's removed. I want to give you a scripture reference. Psalm 103, verse 10. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve 
For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of, of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far as from, uh, from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. A father to children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. This is appropriated by those who fear him. Our sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. The east in eternity this way. The west in eternity this way. Never to meet. Completely removed. Why should our past sin, born out of our sin nature, control our future when God has removed it from us? We are carrying a weight that we were never intended to carry. Sin has a weight. They're removed. I would take that and say, God, remove my sin. That's good enough. The Jesus effect is wonderful. But he goes further. He says, not only are they uh, removed, but they're forgotten. My sin is forgotten by God. Oh, my goodness. Jeremiah 31, 34, and I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. God doesn't remember, but we remember I remember, yesterday I was just reminiscing in a sense, preparing for this in my mind, thinking about how easily I can remember the deeds of my flesh or my sin, how simple it was. All I got to do is just start thinking and in my mind it's like a computer just. And you could do the same thing. But God has forgotten. And some would say, surely God is God and he knows everything. Yes, but he also is God and can forget if he wants to. And I know we don't think that way. We think, well, he's got it down way back in his memory banks. And, and when I do something wrong, he's going to call it back up. See, God is not a man. Men do that. Women do that. Families do that. You know, we do good for a while and we make a mistake. Say, well, yeah, well, you're just like you were when you did that over there. You, you remember 14 years ago you did that, and since then I really haven't trusted you completely. You know, I know you've been doing great. I know I, know I got you on a string, but, you know, remember that. Well, God doesn't do that. I firmly believe that if you bring it up to God, God will say to you, I have removed it and I have forgotten it, so let's move on. And that is the way you live in victory. Now, you know what else? Well, you know, I'm a new creation in Jesus. And we just went over that. I believe you've got that, that we're new, a new creation. But watch this. My old person is dead to the power of sin. I mean dead to the power of sin, folks. Now, I'm not talking about sinless perfection. We're not talking about whether we're perfect people. But, but I will say this, that the book of Romans teaches us that sin shall not have dominion over you. That sin does not have to reign supreme in your life. Watch this. I know, you know, as Christians get older and as we get involved in, and we get in the rigors of this sanctification and all this process with God, and sometimes we want to bring in the devil and say, the devil made me do it. That devil's on me. He's riding me hard. I'll tell you what. He's riding me like a Brahma bull at a, at, a, at, a, at a rodeo, and he's on my back, and he's this, and he's on me and on me. And I would say this, that the devil can't ride your back unless you let him mount up. 
And I will say this also, and I believe this, folks. I mean, you know, look, look, I believe that the only way sin reigns in my body is when I give it permission to. My nature's been changed. I'm going to meow. I don't bark no more. You understand what I'm saying? My nature's been changed. I'm dead to sin. Now, the next three are hard for some people because I am the righteousness of God. These are just facts about us. It's hard for people to say, to believe that they are the righteousness of God. But yet, in the Jesus effect, we become the righteousness of God. I love 2 Corinthians 5.21. This is right after 5.17. He says, for our sake, he made him, look, he never knew sin. He knew no sin, so that in him, notice that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. We become the righteousness of God in Christ. No Christ, no righteousness. Put Christ in, I'm righteous. You know, if you could just put Jesus in and out, you know what I'm talking about? Like, he's in, I'm righteous. Take him out, I'm not righteous. He's in, I'm righteous. Take him out, I'm not righteous. How about he's in me, and because of that, I am the righteousness of God. And I know religious people get all messed up on that. You're holier than thou. You think you're better than me. I, can't, just, I, don't, I don't even want to deal with that anymore. I want to know what God says about me. And when the great I am says, I am the righteousness of God, then I am what I am says I am. But some of you still are not getting it, that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Next, this one's even harder for people. I am a saint. I am a saint. Oh, wait a minute. Now, where I come from in religion, to be a saint, you had to do two bona fide miracles, witness by a bunch of people. Then you had to get, uh, you had to be real good, a uh, long time good. And, and, and then you, you, you would die and, and then a long time dead and then finally somebody remembers about you and says, Two miracles, and he was really good. Let's make him a saint, and then you got to go through a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? And then you're a saint. And I'm not making fun of him. I'm just saying that's the process that, that I thought. But then I come to Christ, and, and the apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth and says, to the saints at Corinth. And so i got to figure this out now. And to the saints at Rome. And then I start studying about saints, and I realize that the word saint means a set-apart one, a sanctified one, a holy one, which is exactly the, what the Jesus effect does to an individual who trusts Jesus is that he takes you and he separates you from sin, and then he separates you to the cause of God. Not just from sin. So many people are stuck in the middle. I, Separated from sin, that's it. No, then separated for the purpose of God. We're a saint. I like to say that. I'm a saint. Now, I would suggest strongly that you don't go to work tomorrow <laughs> and tell all the guys or gals, you know, in your office or out on the ship that uh, you are a saint. Like, hey, everybody, just found out yesterday, I'm a saint. 
you're going to get some grief. <laughs> More than likely, you're going to get some grief from at least a few. Now, you'll get that charismatic guy go, hallelujah. <laughs> you know, he'll like that. But the rest will go, huh. And last, which I think is important for the world, and probably one of the main reasons there is, there is even the Jesus effect, and that is that you're a story. You're a book written by God. You're not a novel. It depends how you look at it. You might be an autobiography. You might be a biography. A history book. But I know this, and we just experienced this this past week, that, that, that it's like, I saw this like God has a library. Like I'm looking at you and I'm picturing a library, just shelves and shelves and shelves of books of all kinds. They all look different and they all have different stories in them. And I'm convinced that what God does is when he sees a person who is in a struggle who is trying somehow or another to find him or, or is, is just down for the count, that he simply looks at his books. I can just like see God. He's just like walking around the library saying, okay, let's see, got that situation there. And you remember back when we used to go to the library a lot, the way you'd always take a book out, you'd put your finger up on the top of that book and you just kind of bend it forward that way, then you'd catch it on the side and then you'd open it up. And God says, I need somebody who's been abused as a child to minister to that person. And so he looks in his library and he pulls that book down and he takes that book and he gives it to that person. And they read your life as a roadmap of how to get out of the hell that they're in. And to me, there's nothing greater. There's no greater use of a Christian than to have the Lord Almighty grab you and use you to touch a person deeply. Happens all the time, folks. So don't worry about what your story says that much. Protect it. Don't add chapters to it. Let the Lord pen it. He'll bind it up real good, and he'll use it when he sees fit to change somebody else's life. And that way you pass the Jesus effect on to somebody else. Let's bow our heads together if you don't mind. Just for a moment, church, if you're in this place right now and you are a Christian, and as we were talking about being that new creation, you say, that's me. I am a new creation. I really am. And I don't know where you are in your process with God. and That's between you and God. But I know one thing, that if you've chosen to follow Jesus, it's a journey. And Jesus always wants us to travel light. And if you've got a big package of past draped over your shoulder it gets real heavy real quick I would say to you today let's drop that thing and let's live the Jesus effect Father right now in the name of Jesus we drop our past 
We agree with you that our sins have been removed. Our sins have been forgotten. We agree with you, Lord God, that we are new creation, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Father, we agree with you that we are a saint that belongs to you and that we are a story to be read by men. Would you take our lives, Lord, and convict us and God, would you just kind of increase the effect of your presence on our life, that conviction, and lead us and guide us. And you can open us up anytime you want, Father. Let somebody read our life. We thank you for moving us forward today in our walk with you. And for somebody else in this room, if you're in here and say, well, you know, I I never experienced that. I, I don't know about this new creation But inside of me, I realize that there's a missing part. Listen, folks, you may be the best on your job. You may have the the right amount of money. You may have your life perfectly in order. But if your nature has not been changed, you're an enemy of God. And you need to step into the presence of the Lord, humble yourself, surrender to him. See, that's the big struggle. The big struggle is not surrendering out of fear of what might be. One thing I guarantee is that what will be if you surrender to Jesus is much better than what you have now. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. If you're in here, we can't impress God, but you can open up your heart to him right now in in the best way you know how. And as I pray, pray along with me. Just say things like this. Say, Father in heaven, I don't know you, but I want to. I'm a sinner. I'm separated. I know that. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin, to cleanse me, to come and change my heart, my life. I'm yours, Lord God. I give you everything I ever hoped to be. My whole future, my eternity, I give to you. I surrender. And I thank you for loving me and taking care of me and changing my life today. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord right now for what he's doing. Northwood Church is one church with multiple locations. Uh, We have locations in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, and we'd love to see you there. If you enjoyed this message and want to get more info on who we are, just head over to northwood.tv. And once you're there, uh, you can check out all of our past sermons, all the things that we're doing in South Mississippi, and uh, even give to support those efforts of reaching more people. Be sure to connect with us on social media and to stay up to date with everything happening around Northwood Church. Thanks for watching and hope to see you soon.